Good morning. It's great to see you. And today, we lit the candle of joy, which is the pink one. It's the one that's a little different out of the rest. And uh, because joy is a major theme throughout uh, biblical narrative and scripture. And so today, we wrote, we lit the candle of joy. And you'll get to light it at home all throughout the week. And because Christmas is a time of joy, the angels declared it. The shepherds found it and passed it on. The world needed joy then when Jesus came. And how many of you think the world needs joy now? I think we do, don't we? Well, grab your Bible this morning. You can open it to uh, John chapter 15. I'm going to get to John chapter 15 in a minute. Before we do, uh, let's just talk a little bit more about joy. Like, do you have joy? When you think about your life and how your life's going right now and where you're living and what's going on, do you have great joy? Or do you feel like it might be missing? Maybe, maybe something's sapping the joy out of your life. Maybe it's just the mundane of life or maybe there's something depressing or worrisome or challenging going on in your life. Maybe you have a tough, tough relationship or pressure at work. Maybe it's just Christmas time happens to be an extra special, challenging time for you. Maybe you just look at the evil in the world around us and you think, where's the joy? Have you noticed that there are things that can steal our joy? There are. But the angel talked to the shepherds about something different, a different kind of joy. On the night Jesus was born, they said something would cause great joy. Not just regular old joy, great joy. Now that sounds great. Something that causes great joy sounds really, really good, but what would that, what would that be? Like what were the shepherds thinking right in that moment, I wonder? Something that will cause great joy in me, I wonder what that will be. Maybe it was they were hoping that they were getting free tickets to the really cool concert in Bethlehem called Herod's Horde. And uh, they, maybe that was what they were thinking. Maybe they were thinking, that I'm getting sideline passes to watch the Bethlehem Bears play football. Not American football, football at the time. But then they quickly would have gotten to the next understanding of what the angel said. And they would have understand that this joy was not an event. It's not a thing. It was not something they would attend it was a someone. Because then the angel said, not only will, will this good news cause great joy, but this great joy is a baby, a person, the birth of Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 that we've been studying in depth says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now you may be thinking, how would a baby give us joy every day? All day long, even on super bad days when the world's spinning out of control, when evil's everywhere around us, when, when the news station has nothing good to share, when the youth in our culture are feeling so awful inside that they feel like the only recourse is to shoot their peers. 
When we look to the government to solve our answers like we never should, we discover that they have no answers to give. When we aren't getting along and it looks like we've lost our ability to love well, the Bible's very clear. In those moments, we need joy. And we need a joy that is way more important than happiness. We need a joy that is resident in our lives every day. Not a fleeting moment, not a concert, not a sporting event. That's happiness. What we need is deep down inside, we need joy. And that's exactly what Jesus came to bring. Now, uh, Kate and I have been experiencing a little bit of joy in a baby because we have a new grandson, right? And most of the time he brings joy. But mom and dad would say at three in the morning when he's upset and awake and now they're awake, the joy's all gone, isn't it? Like, it's not joy anymore. It's not even happiness anymore. It's just, can I please get back to sleep? The angel was saying something revolutionary about joy. What the angel was declaring, and what we need to hear today, is that Jesus is joy. That our relationship with Jesus as our Savior as our Messiah, as our Lord and King, as our best friend, Jesus is joy. Now, how many of you remember English class? I remember uh, back when I was in middle school, I had an English teacher that uh, taught me that the word is means equal. Jesus equals joy. Jesus is joy. And so this morning, I want us to spend some time talking about that because the Christmas story tells us how to find one of the true gifts of Christmas, and that is joy. Last week, um, I had a, we had a young lady come and find uh, myself. Well, actually, she found me first and said, Pastor Mark, are you preaching next week? And I said, no, Kate's preaching next week. And so she went and found Kate and told the story. And then Kate sent her back to me because Kate said, no, honey, you're preaching next week. And I said, oh, yes, that's right. I better get my acting gear. But here's what she told us, which I, we thought was extraordinary. That a couple years ago, their family was celebrating Christmas and they had an Advent wreath at their house. And somehow their Christ candle, the center candle, this one that... I wonder if I could do that again. The Christ candle represents Jesus. It's the last one that we light on Christmas Eve to remind us of the birth of Christ. Somehow, their Christ candle and their joy candle melted together. Jesus is joy. The relationship that you have with Jesus, you and I, our hearts, our minds, our spirits melt together with Jesus. And when that happens, you will find the exact kind of joy that you need in your life today for every circumstance in your life. Now at the beginning, 
the story in Luke chapter 2 and the story in Matthew chapter 1, the angel said that Jesus would bring joy. He would give us joy. It would be part of our life as we believe in him as Messiah. But at the end of Jesus' life, he taught his disciples about joy. And he told them some extraordinary things about joy in John chapter 15. And so if you have your Bible, or maybe you're on your phone, get over to John chapter 15 with me. A couple days before Jesus was going to die on the cross for you and I, he talked to his disciples about joy. Because joy is such an important part of our lives as believers, and it's something that we desperately need because happiness is fleeting, but joy is resident always. And so Jesus said this in verse 11. He said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, the first part of the verse, Jesus says, I have told you this. And if we're good biblical people, then we have to discover what the this is, right? What's the this? What has he told us? What has he declared to us that will help us live in his joy, understand his joy, and it become absolutely complete in us? Well, to do that, we've got to read the rest of the chapter. We've got to read verse 1 to verse 17 and look at the verses before it and the verses after it. So read them with me. Verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends 
if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the things that you tell us that are so important to our lives. And we thank you for this reminder at Christmas that we need joy. A joy that is so deep and penetrating to the deepest resources of our soul and our heart that it never leaves. It can't be taken away. It can't even fade away because it's complete. We pray for that kind of joy in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. As I read this section and, and studied it well, I really began to understand that Jesus said there, there's really four things that, is, that are going to help you keep this joy and to understand its completion in your life. And the first one was to stay connected to Jesus. The first one is that you and I, if we're going to have this joy and the joy that we need is going to stay complete in us all the time and it's going to be a part of our life every day, then I have to stay connected to Jesus every day. And this is seen in the illustration that he uses. And it's, it's an agricultural illustration. And he basically just says this, I am the vine, you are the branch. The illustration is simple. A branch that stays connected to the vine has everything it needs. It has all the nutrients that it needs. It has all the life that it needs. Uh, that branch is not going to die. It's going to continue. It'll be healthy. It won't be struggling. It will always bear fruit. See, what the, what the branch needs to do is trust that vine and not, get, not, not begin to think, I can do life without the vine. I can go about, I can do this on my own. I don't need the branch. The vine can't say that. The vine must stay connected to the branch. And as long as the branch stays connected to the vine, it's always okay. It's always complete. It's always bearing fruit. Now, occasionally, Jesus said, the gardener, because he's wise and smart, is the illustration of our Heavenly Father, he will often come along and prune you. He'll often come along and cut something out of your life, right? Now, I've done this before with our raspberries. Kate and I love raspberries, and Kate makes some of the best raspberry and blackberry jam, so I'm not opposed at all to making them grow and take over our yard because of the jam, right? Because when I eat the jam on toast, I am complete. <laughs> Here's what's interesting. I remember that we, we, had, we had these blackberries and raspberries at our old house, and they were literally just like taking over the yard. And um, so I talked to a lady down the street from us, and um, I said, she has this enormous, beautiful raspberry bush and whole area. And I said, what's the key? Because I noticed every year she'd cut the thing back to like nothing. And I'm like, that obviously can't be the way to do it. 
So I stopped by her house one day and I said, hey, hey, can you tell me how you make your raspberries grow? I noticed that you just cut them back. And she said, yeah, what you have to do, you have to cut off the branches that just produced fruit that year. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. She's like, well, do what you want. Look at mine. <laughs> and so I did that. I cut off the branch that bared fruit. I, I pruned it. And the next year, sure enough, we had, we had just as many, if not more. And that's just like what God does, right? We think there's something in our life that we're like, oh, this is the awesomest. This is so awesome about me. And God says, yeah, I want to cut that out of your life. You're like, no, that's what makes me awesome. And God's like, no, that's not what makes you awesome. I'm what makes you awesome. I'm going to cut that out. Has anyone ever had that happen? And you're like, oh, Lord, come on. But that's what he does, right? But that's what it means to stay connected to him. This is joy. Now, we have to be careful how we apportion this truth to our life. Because joy does not mean a perfect white picket fence, no problem, everyone loves you, there's a giant money tree in your backyard kind of life. That's not what joy is. That's, that's happiness. Joy is so much deeper. It's so much greater. It's so much more powerful. Joy is what gives you an understanding, a hope, a love, you notice love throughout the whole chapter as well. A love, a patience, a self-control, a dedication to Christ. All of those things become a part of your life in the darkest times of your life. That's joy. And that is what we need. The happiness we can get from anywhere. Amen? And in fact, in our culture, that might be our problem. We go from happiness to happiness to happiness to happiness. We, as a culture, as an American culture, we want that happiness to never end. Have you noticed that? Let me give you a great example of that, social media. You know why we're stuck in it? Because we want that like on my post right now. Why? Because that'll make me happy. That'll make me feel fulfilled. And since there's no joy deep down inside of me from Christ, I, the only way I can get that happiness high that I need right now is to post something on social media and get my friends to like it so I feel like I'm someone in the world. And all along, Jesus said, no, that's not why I came. I came to give you a joy that is so deep inside of you that even if the world stripped you of everything, threw you in jail and tortured you to death, you'd end up singing in jail because you were so joyful and happy because of Jesus. That's what the apostles teach us throughout Acts and the rest of the New Testament, amen? Now, another way that joy is made in us and made complete in us may sound kind of interesting, but it's right here in the text. And that is to obey Jesus' commands. And you may think, no, Pastor Mark, you must have that wrong. Because obeying someone's commands has never brought me joy. That, that's not, that can't be right. That, that can't be part of it, but it is. He says, I've told you this. I've told you this that will give you joy. And part of the this is what? Verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I've kept my father's commands and I remain in his love. Now it's interesting. We see this all throughout the New Testament, right? Jesus 
does these things that, that he asks us to do, but he did them first. He came first and, and obeyed all of his father's commands. And part of those commands was dying on a cross. And he says, I, I want you to obey my commands too. See, here's what we discover. True joy, real true joy comes as you and I obey Jesus' commands. Joy is found in obeying Jesus because here's what we discover as we read Jesus' commands. That Jesus' commands make us healthy people. They make us whole people. They make us joyful people. If we obey Jesus' commands, we end up with healthy relationships. We end up putting other people first. We end up being patient and kind like he tells us to be. We're encouraged to be respectful. We're empowered to love in radical ways. And that kind of life, Jesus says, if you obey me in that kind of life, you will find true joy in that kind of life. Instead of chasing after every whim on your own. Jesus commands also have no room for hate or racism or being rude or mean to someone else. And so Jesus' commands are grounded and founded in love and compassion and grace and kindness and righteousness and truth. And when we live those out, what Jesus says, when you obey my commands, you will find joy. But many of us struggle with this idea, don't we? Many of us do. Many of us in the church and a lot of us outside the church, we struggle with this idea because we feel like obeying Jesus or obeying anyone violates my person, right? Like God created me to be me, so I need to obey me. And some of us think that Jesus' commands are stifling and narrow. And I've, I've actually heard people say this, you know, uh, I don't, know, I don't obey anyone. My life's motto is just to love people. So don't tell me what to do. Maybe you should read verse 12 that says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Your life motto sounds a lot like Jesus' life motto. That's what he called you to do. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that about Jesus. Yeah, that's what I often find. Those are the people that struggle with Jesus' commands. I ask them, well, what did Jesus command? They can't tell me a single thing. So we struggle with the idea of obeying his commands, but what Jesus says is obeying my commands will actually bring you joy. Now, you and I also have a challenge, and that is that we are called to be the people of God. That's who we are, the church. We're the representation of Jesus Christ in the earth. And so one of the challenges the world may have with Jesus' commands is that they don't see us finding joy in obeying Jesus' commands. And if they don't see us finding joy in obeying Jesus' commands, they certainly won't think that Jesus' commands are worth obeying. And so you and I have to begin to lead the way in this. We have to lead the way in obeying Jesus' commands. We have to choose to say, I love Jesus, so I'll obey his commands. Did you notice that that's actually what Jesus is saying? Look at verse 10 again. Verse 10, he said, if you keep my commands, 
you will remain in my love. What Jesus is saying is, if you love me, you will obey my commands. It's, it's a relationship. So we prove our love for Jesus by obeying him. And so if the world doesn't see believers obeying Jesus' commands, then the world might naturally come to the conclusion that we don't what? Love Jesus. That we don't have a relationship with Jesus. That Jesus isn't first in our life. And so Jesus said, hey, if you want to have joy, if you want to show the world love, if you want, to, if you want the world to see me, then you will also need to obey my commands. And as you do, as you obey my commands, you will find joy. Now, I can tell you this from personal experiences. I've discovered that. I've discovered true joy in my life as I've obeyed Jesus' commands and I've avoided the pitfalls that this world offers to us instead of obeying Jesus. So there are things that are naturally just not a part of my life because I simply said yes to Jesus and I simply obey him. And so there are certain things that will not be a part of your life as you obey Jesus that other people will have in their life as they struggle along and you can say, boy, I sure am happy today. I sure am joyful today that that's not a part of my life because I said yes to Jesus and I obey him. His most important command is one of the keys to our joy and one of the keys to our joy finding completion. And that is in verse 12, to love each other. My command, he said, is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. Now this reminds me that our joy is often affected by relationship. By relationship by the relationships around us. Jesus' command is to love each other. So Jesus' command is for you and I to be in relationship together, loving one another so that the world can see that and the world can see that there's something very different in the church than outside the church. What they see inside the church is a bunch of people that are different, but they've discovered how to love each other. In the middle of our differences, in the middle of our challenges, in, in the middle of all of the stuff of life going on in our lives, we have relationship with one another and we choose to love each other. We choose to take care of one another. When somebody needs something, we choose to meet that need. When somebody needs care, we choose to care. When somebody needs a meal, we give a meal. When somebody needs to move, we show up with trucks and move. When, you know, whatever it is, when somebody needs to go to the hospital, we visit them in the hospital. Whatever it is in the body of Christ, that's why we love each other so that in this community, we are presenting something to the world that's totally different than what they get somewhere else. That's why we're called all throughout the New Testament over and over and over again, this is a theme, love each other well. And it reminds us that our relationships affect our joy. And it can be any relationship. You and your spouse could have had a fight the night before and it affects your joy. You have a coworker that you're just struggling with and it affects your joy. Maybe the cashier at the gas station was super rude to you and it just affects your joy. 
See, there's something about relationships that can affect our joy. And what Jesus is telling us here is don't let that happen. Just love them. Just keep loving. Love each other well, even in the middle of those hard times. Now, Christmas is a good example about how loving each other can bring us joy. Because at Christmas time, for some reason, and maybe it's just that we feel like at Christmas we're supposed to really do the right things. You ever feel like that? Like at Christmas, I really got to do the right thing. July, not so much. But Christmas, I really got to do the right thing because baby Jesus is watching me. What? Baby Jesus is always watching you. Or maybe you think that Santa Claus is going to figure out whether you're naughty or nice. Can I just tell you something? You're naughty all the time. That's why Jesus came. Santa Claus doesn't have a list. Only Jesus has a list. And guess what? That list gets wiped out when you say yes to Jesus. And the list that you get on is called the Lamb's Book of Life and you have eternal life. That's great news. Now, for some reason at Christmas, we decide that we have to love one another. And in the middle of that time of loving one another, we get joy, right? We start buying gifts for one another. We help the poor. We smile more at strangers. We participate in more parties. We aren't as annoyed at family overtaking our house to celebrate. And we find joy in the way we live during December. We discover that loving people brings joy and that that makes our joy complete. We just simply have to learn to do that all year long. And that's why Jesus came. Because he said, joy will be with you all the time. And my joy will be in you and be made complete in you. And all this love that you and I give also brings joy to us. Now the last, and maybe one of the best ways or simplest ways to find the true gift of joy at Christmas is to simply make Jesus your best friend. You're in a relationship with Jesus. Make him your best friend. In verse 14, Jesus said this, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. This is good news. Jesus says, I wanna be your best friend. I want to be your friend. And he also said the way that you, you and I can model our friendship to the world is because you know my father's business. Now, what's the father's business? Love the world. It directly correlates to the verse above, 12. Love each other as I have loved you. So as friends of Jesus, we know that our greatest joy in Jesus will be found in loving one another. So that begs a question, is Jesus your best friend? Like you can have, you can have other best friends, but is Jesus like number one? Say, no, Pastor Mark, my spouse is number one. No, your spouse is number two. Jesus is number one. And here's what you'll discover if you make Jesus number one, you'll make your spouse a better number two. 
you'll learn how to love your spouse better. Because Jesus created your spouse and he knows best how to love your spouse and he'll tell you how to do that. Jesus is number one. You'll find your greatest joy in Jesus. But you may be wondering, how, how do I find that, Pastor Mark? How, how do I find that true joy every single day making Jesus my best friend? Well, it's just like any relationship. Time. Right? Your best friend is someone that you want to spend a lot of time with. And when Jesus is your best friend, you want to spend time with him. Time in prayer, time in his word, which prayer is just talking. Time with, in his word, time in worship. When Jesus is your best friend, you'll find time. You'll make time. And you'll, you'll just hang out with him all day. Now, the, the best part about Jesus being your best friend is he's with you all throughout the day. Like if you have another best friend and they're an earthly human here, you can't be with them all the time. You gotta go to work and you gotta run some errands. You gotta do some other stuff and you can't take them with you everywhere, right? But Jesus is with you all the time. So your best friend is with you all day long. And when you hang out with your best friend every day, it's fairly clear. Joy will make its way into your life because Jesus is joy. Now, this is important. This matters. Because the world is looking for people that have a deep and powerful joy that changes your life, becomes the foundation of your life. So you and I, we have to choose to stay connected to Jesus. We have to choose to trust him. We have to obey his commands. We have to love each other. And we have to make Jesus our best friend. When we live this way, Jesus said, joy will be in you and joy will be complete. Now that word complete is very interesting. It means this, nothing else needs to be added to it. See, when Jesus is your life, here's what you discover. Nothing else needs to be added to it. I have everything I could possibly need in him. And that's why he came. And that's why we'll light the candle all week to remind us that Jesus is joy. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Jesus, we give you thanks this morning. Thank you that you are our hope and our love. And as we'll learn all week as we study in your word and spend time with you, that you are our joy. Jesus, we, we ask you to just be with us this week. Some of us maybe know that we, we have some things coming up this week that might make joy kind of hard. And so, Lord, I pray that in the middle of those tough times that we would lean on you that we would find ourselves uh, just giving our, our lives to you, pressing into you, talking to you regularly, spending time in your word, finding answers from your word, finding the joy in Jesus and just being in relationship with you. Jesus, we want to say thank you so much for coming to earth. Thank you for coming here. 
giving us an opportunity to be in relationship with our Heavenly Father, our Creator, and our Savior. It is a joy. And Lord, I pray that as, as we, every time we light this candle this week, that we would be reminded to just stay connected to you and to make you our best friend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, and uh, good to see you. Go in the joy of Jesus. And uh, as you go, would you say thank you to Elsa in the comments for her service and her faithfulness? And remember, Jesus loves you very much. So to Kate and I, have a great week.